Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. I hope you're enjoying these programs. I've been talking about the Holy Spirit teaching you as a Catholic how to grow in your faith, to live your faith with the power of the Holy Spirit that God intends for you. Today I bring you the second part of the interview that I did with Father Ricardo last week, where he took on more challenging questions and offered great insight. First part of the program, Father Ricardo talking with him, insightful questions. And then after that, more on the Holy Spirit. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you and thank you and praise you for all the ways that you love us and take care of us. And Lord, I just ask that you would give us the grace today to be encouraged, to serve you, to follow after your ways. Holy God, it is such a gift to be alive in this moment in history. Help us never to take that for granted or take you for granted. Lord, meet us at our point of deepest need today and bless us beyond what we would ever ask or imagine. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so remember, today, first part of the program, Father John Ricardo is going to be taking on some challenging questions and offering great insight to you. Hopefully that's an encouragement. And then after that, I'm going to dive into, once again, how do we pray for the deeper release and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so we will live with the power God intends for us. Got it? All right, let's dive in with Father Ricardo. Let's take a look at two um, two elements of our life of faith, who Jesus is and who the church is. And so as we orbit around Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, there are different entry points, and those are often referred to as the titles of Jesus. So as you are orbiting around, as you are relating to Christ through the various modes by which he's relating to you, is there one or other that you have found so helpful to help you in your life of faith or to help you in your ministry of helping Catholics come alive? So Jesus is Lord, Savior, Shepherd, Divine Physician, Prince of Peace. Is there a particular entry point into who Christ intends to be in the lives in your life or the lives of the faithful that you feel like, you know, we, we need to explore and enter into Christ more fully? through that title? Um, it changes. So let me find you a, a quote really quick. But it, so it, it varies, you know, from time to time. But um, much of the time, and including like right now, <laughs> um, what I think is most um, encouraging to me is the title Goel. So um, in the book of Isaiah, um, let me find this for you real quick. It's Isaiah 49. The Lord says, um, let me pull up this whole passage. 
So in, in order to get this, again, you, uh, let me let me just set this up if I can, because my experience increasingly so over the last few years is we don't know this part of the gospel. We, we don't know what, what I would call the bad news. And because we don't know the bad news, we don't find the gospel to be all that extraordinary. And I think most people, so most people, I think, see Jesus, well, we all see Jesus incompletely. Most people see Jesus, um, especially most men, in an almost emasculated way, mainly because of the passion. So I think most people have an image of Jesus that's something like this. Jesus is kind, and he's gentle, and he's compassionate, and he's patient, and he plays with kittens. And all those things are true, even the kitten part, right? Because he made the kittens. Um, but what it fails to take into account is the simple reality that Jesus is Lord. And to say Jesus is Lord is not the ending of a prayer. It's a reality. And it means nobody else is. And what lords do is they rule. And right now he has in his hands all the kings of the earth, all the presidents of the earth, all the governors of the earth, and all of creation. And he's not nervous, and he's not anxious, and he's not weak. And we need to reclaim that, I think, seriously. And in order to understand why he has come, like why does God become man? We have to understand, well, why does man need help? And the reason for that, um, which is, you know, the bad news, is because uh, humanity is, is enslaved. And we're enslaved to, to powers we can't compete against. Namely, sin, death, and hell, and Satan, who was a good angel who rebels against God out of envy of you and me, which is really significant. I'm not sure how Have you seen Nefarious? I have not. So it's always leery. I'm always leery to promote things, but um, I think nefarious is extraordinary. I, I would suggest it's the charisma told from the other side. Hmm. And it's very powerful. And we don't like to talk about, especially as Americans, like we don't like to talk about bad things and we don't like to get stuck there. But again, I, I have no understanding of why I should get on my knees and surrender my life to Jesus unless I know what he's done. And what he's done is more than just atone for my sins. What he's done is he's rescued me from powers I can't escape. You're going to die. I'm going to die. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Nothing. And if you've ever been at the bedside, any of us listening uh, of the uh, someone that you love who's dying, you've never felt more impotent because I can't stop it. My mom got cold from the feet up. It was horrific to watch. It was taking her. And didn't matter the medical care we had or the money we had, I couldn't stop it. And I've never felt weaker in my life. And death's not supposed to be here. It's a power. That's how Paul talks about it, especially in Romans. Sin is also a power. So sin isn't just something that I do, although it is. It's also something that exerts control over me. That's why, you know, think for 10 seconds, have you ever done anything that you didn't want to do, that you knew you shouldn't do, that you hated doing and you did anyway? And of course, the answer for all of us is yes. And that makes absolutely no sense. Why would I do something that I know I shouldn't do, I don't want to do, and I hate? Well, it's because sin's a power. 
Well, how did we get there? Well, we got there because this creature who was an angel who rebels out of envy deceives our first parents. And the result of the fall is not simply that we rebelled against God. It's that we sold ourselves into slavery. And there's no way out. That's the situation of the human race. Like you and I are in the hands of a fiend who traffics humanity far worse than any human trafficker on this planet. That's to set up how I see Jesus and my favorite way of thinking of him. So in Isaiah 49, God says this. He says, can the prey be taken from the mighty? Who's the prey? Us. You and me. Who's the mighty? Satan. Or the captives of a tyrant be rescued. Who's the captives? Us. Who's the tyrant? Satan. Thus says the Lord, which is, which is like, listen up, people. Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken, and the prey of the tyrant shall be rescued. Why? Not because I'm going to send an angel. Not because I'm going to wave a magic wand. Because I, God says, will contend with those who contend with you. In other words, I am going to fight for you. And he goes on to say, then all flesh shall know that I am the Lord, your Savior, your Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. And the word that's used there, your Redeemer, is in Hebrew the word goel. And a goel is somebody who acts as the next of kin. And a goel in the Old Testament has a lot of roles, but especially two. If, if somebody in my family is sold into slavery, it's the goel's role to go get them out of slavery. Or if someone's been murdered, it's the goel's goal and, and role to avenge the murder. The creator of the universe says, that's who you are to me. You're my next of kin, and I will rescue you from slavery, and I will avenge the murder of this race, which I made in my own image and likeness, and I will do it by becoming a man and hiding myself as a man so as to entrap this enemy so that you will go free. So when Jesus says in the Gospels, when a strong man guards his palace, his possessions are safe. The strong man is Satan. The palace is the world. His possessions are us. But Jesus says, but when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, then his possessions go free. That's who Jesus is to me. Jesus is the stronger one. Okay, we've finished the Father Ricardo portion of the program. Now we're going to continue on with more teaching on the Holy Spirit. And how do we pray for that deeper release and empowerment of the Holy Spirit? We'll dive into that today on part five of our series. Let's go. What are we doing here? Uh, Carrie and I were talking about that on the way over here. What in the world are we doing here? And it's a great question. It's a great question. And... It feels like, it senses like, my God, what are you up to? And one of our convictions, and I think it might be a conviction that is in the room, is that whatever we've known about our living of our lives as Catholics, it's harder now, but just wait. Tomorrow it's even going to be harder. And we will not 
not only not thrive, but we won't survive as Catholics if we try to live our faith without God's power. Without the power that God intends us to have to fulfill the call that is ours, to be saints and to fulfill our God-given mission. That's why you're here. Boom, super simple. Why are you here? It's not about money, position, fame, power, stuff. It's about becoming the saint God intended you to become by fulfilling the mission that God put you here to fulfill. If we do those things well, all the rest, just not that important. But what has become so incredibly difficult is that the surrounding world in which we're living our call is shifting right out from under us. And we're left wondering, hey, church, is anybody noticing what I'm noticing? Yeah. Is anybody seeing what I'm seeing? Are we seeing a generation of kids slaughtered? And I don't really mean through abortion now, but I see these other things emerging, this just diabolical transgender ideology just landing on kids. And what are parents doing? And then you have this device, right? I, I should ask you to raise your hand. Who's not addicted to their device, right? Who doesn't spend at least 10 hours a day on their device or, or on connected devices? And the filth, the stuff that's just forming, informing, and being sown into our lives through social media platforms and video and all this. Who's happy they came tonight, right? I mean, <laughs> they're like, I'm never coming back here again, right? Yeah, preach it, preach it, right? But you sense it, right? But what's the life of faith? The life of faith is summarized, remember, in our tradition, two words, discern, obey. You sense what God's doing and you do that. God, what do you want me to do? Do that. And that's what we're here to try to learn, is how the Holy Spirit is alive in us and we can have an intimate, personal, profound, vital relationship with the Holy Spirit who prompts us to do things and then we find the strength to do it, right? So I was sitting there as Chris and George were leading us in worship and as they entered into their third song, I sensed I should stand up after this song and share about praise and letting it wash us off, the message that I shared. And as I'm saying that in my head, Lord, you want me to stand up and you want me to invite people to pray and get them to praise. And I said, Lord, is that what you want for me to do to interrupt this? Carrie leans over and says, I think God wants you to stand up. <laughs> after this song and lead us in a prayer. Actually, what she said was, Tom, get up there or face the fires of hell, is what she said. So, and then I had to discern, right? Is that from God or what that was? It was the voice of God right there, right? That actually happened. Literally within five seconds of me, saying, I think this is what the Lord wants. Carrie leaned over. She hasn't done that. Like, she only does that about five times every night. <laughs> now, she'd never done that before, but she did that tonight during worship. And what happened after the third song? Chris started to say, hey, let's open ourselves to worship and let's 
And I'm like, hey, God wanted me to say that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let me build off of that. And as I stood up, Chris was like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, don't worry, don't worry. The Holy, Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's got this, right? The Holy Spirit's got this. So quick summary, what are we doing here? The answer is, I don't know, but I think it's something new. <laughs> you feel confident, right? Come on, where are we going to go? I don't know, right? <laughs> Abraham didn't know. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for telling me I'm old, Jane. I appreciate that. <laughs> That was what he <laughs> Nice, I like that. So, um, so what are we all doing here in this area, in this prayer meeting right now? We don't have a final answer, but I do know this. God does not intend us to hear the call and to experience the powerlessness without granting us access to the power to be fulfilling the call. Do you remember that? Those are the three moments of discipleship that we've talked about, right? There's that sense of being called by the Lord. You're individual, unique, precious, one of a kind. That Lord has called you by name into existence and he's calling you in love at every moment of your existence, right? We went through all that. And then we talked about, what was that type of prayer that you pray when you're... Praiseworthy desperation. Oh, he was listening. John's got that. Remember that? Ah, the prayer of groaning. Remember that prayer of groaning? We just, I got nothing. Jesus, help me. I trust in you. Right? And then there's the power part. Like, where's the power? Where's the power that God's promised us? The power of God, the Holy Spirit. Like, why are we Catholics not good at the power part? Right? Like, what happened there? Right? Remember, you're trying to, like, uh, trying to vacuum the rug without being plugged in and turned on, right? And we started way back at the beginning talking about this idea that God has given us power, right? What was that event in the lives of the apostles that changed them from hiding in the room, powerless, to they couldn't be stopped because they were on fire? What was that called? Pentecost. And we get a personal Pentecost. What's that called? Confirmation. It's in the catechism. 1301, read it. I'm not making this stuff up, right? So catechism, uh, catechism, confirmation is, as it were, the experience of Pentecost in the life of the Catholic. So it's not that we haven't experienced Pentecost. No, Pentecost has, has come to us. But somehow when we were confirmed, remember what happened? We received the gift and then put it on the shelf. And so we're here to open up the gift that was already given, but hasn't yet been fully yielded to and been allowed to be fully engaged in, right? That's revivescence, that's Aquinas, right? This is not some kind of modern idea. Aquinas says graces can be given, but not yet fully received, not yet fully yielded to, not having the effect that God intended when he gave the gift. And that's what's happened to way too many of us Catholics. Now, what happens when we allow God's power that he intends to have operating in our lives? We don't have to guess and wonder, is this what he wants for me? No, this is what he wants. This is what he intends. I want to point to three effects. Three effects 
that are associated with becoming saints. And then I want to focus in on the gifts of the Spirit in relationship to fulfilling our God-given mission, evangelizing, being witnesses in the world. That if we operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if we let God's power, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, it's going to be a different thing to evangelize, to share faith. It's going to be something that is marked by power. God's dunamis, dynamite, God's power. What are the three things I just want to focus on briefly that are associated with us becoming saints that if we allow God's power to be released within us, we'll experience? The three things are we'll overcome sin, we'll experience healing, and we will grow in holiness itself. Do any of you struggle with any of those things? Yeah? Why don't we start with sin? So, John, what sin do you struggle with the most? Just kidding. Hey, you like to talk. Why not? Right now he's, now he's hiding behind his wife. <laughs> oh, he's getting, he's getting a phone call. Yeah. Um, but I want you to think about it. Are there persistent sins that you battle in your life? Are there sins that are embedded in your relationships? Why do we fall into speaking harshly? Why do we struggle to forgive each other? Why do I get so angry? How come that deadly sin, pick one of them, seems to have such a, a, a stronghold in my life? Oh, if I only had more power. If only I had the power to overcome that sin. And, and God the Father is like, um, hello? I've already given you the gift you need to be victorious over whatever persistent sin there is that clings to your life. The second is, what was the second one I said? We're going to grow in holiness, healing. Anybody here carrying wounds, right? Anybody here not, right? Uh, if, if you're not, you're probably floating off the floor, right? So we're all weighed down by the wounds people's words, people's deeds, our own, our own actions that we carry because we live in a fallen world, a broken world. We hurt each other. And it just, it holds us back from trusting. Lord, I can't trust you. What if you hurt me? I don't even know how to open myself to you. I don't even know how to not, like, resist your attempts to draw near in greater intimacy to me. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what to do. We need to be healed. Healed. The, the word in, in, um, in Greek for healing is the word for salvation. In Latin, it's the word for sanity. <laughs> right? That, that sanation. That the healing is becoming sane. When we live unhealed lives... We're not healthy in the way that God intends. Sadly, we think that, oh, we've just got to kind of carry these wounds through the rest of our lives. No, we've settled for that because we haven't had an expectant sense that God moves in healing purposes. All that's going to change. Ooh. Wouldn't that be amazing if it did change? Right? When I started um, an apostolate in 1997, 
the scripture passage that I used, you might remember I told it on the first night, was Mark 3.3, rise and come forward. It was the man, the Jewish man who was in the synagogue, so a practicing Jewish believer, was there when Jesus showed up, but he had a withered hand. I say he was living a withered hand existence. Too many Catholics live withered hand existences because we think that's what we have to settle for. And then what does the Lord say? You rise and come forward. You think you're just lost in a crowd. You don't think I see you. You don't think I know what's going on in your life. You don't think that I can do anything about your withered hand existence. Do you know what I say to you? Rise, get out of the crowd, stand up, come out, step up, stand here in the middle, and you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna heal you. He didn't just perform a sign and a wonder and a deed of power. Isn't that a great set of words? It was signs and wonders and deeds of power. He made that man a sign and a wonder and an expression of what God's power does when it touches someone's life. What do we need today? We need Catholics willing to sign up to say, pick me. Make me a sign and a wonder. Make me a sign of, of what your power does when your power hits my life. When your power hits a life, then all of a sudden, what, what's happening? God's kingdom shows up. Well, that's what God's kingdom is like. It looks like you. But what happens? We stay lost in the crowd. What, what are we here for? Why are we here, Carrie and I? What are we? We just are so convinced and convicted that God is moving to perform signs and wonders and deeds of power today to turn more of his people into signs and wonders because people are desperate. They're just desperate. Quick trace through history. Are you ready? Quick trace through history. The pagans, non-Christians and before Christ, time of the Jewish people, were religious, which means Everyone believed in gods, in a realm of the divine, and that this life was short, brutish, and difficult. That was just life. And it was headed back towards the divine. So life on earth was always seen in the light of the realm of the divine. And so original sin was first identified as an act of pride, which was there is a God, and I'm going to attempt to put myself over God. Flash forward 1,500 years and you hit the Protestant Reformation. And the Protestant Reformation stripped down to the pure gospel of listening and obeying. Let's listen to God's word and obey it. Now all of a sudden original sin is less about the act of pride, which it still was, but now it was an act of disobedience. Remember Milton, Paradise Lost? What did Satan say when he fell? I will not serve. I will not listen and obey. So original sin became an act of disobedience. Let's flash forward another 500 years. We reach the time of St. John Paul II, who calls this the age of mistrust. The age of mistrust. Where original sin, yes, it's still an act of pride, still an act of disobedience, but even more, it's an act of mistrust. Can I trust you, God, 
If I'm not in relationship with God as a father, then he'll be a master. Or can I even trust existence? I was having a conversation with a a young adult four days ago, three days ago, and she was struggling to believe in God. In fact, said, I don't believe in heaven and hell. And she said, for me, my worst nightmare is that there is a heaven and a hell. Okay, now you cannot even understand that. You can't even wrap your mind around that. But for them, just kind of, kind of probe it a little bit. This social media platform, all these platforms are pouring forth a false vision of reality that's saying that deep hunger that is holding you back from feeling fulfilled, do these things and it'll fulfill that desire. And when they believe those things, give themselves over to it and only end up with greater darkness, despair, and damage. Do you know what they say? Reality's not trustworthy. I don't want reality to be trustworthy. This really stinks just existing. Do you know what they need to see? Someone who is a sign and a wonder and a deed of power that says you have a father who loves you. You have a father that is so good and who's calling you home, calling you to himself to be set free from the sin, to be healed of the wounds, and to help you grow to be his child. We're not going to do that business as usual. Business as usual doesn't get that done. Do you see our Catholic churches full of young adults? Do you see any young adults? Yeah, the ones that have to be. Oh, yeah, yes, Jared. That's right. He, we, got, we, got a, we got some. We got Asa. We got Jared. We got a few, right? We don't have many. And so the Lord is going to raise up. He's going to raise up who's willing. Those who are willing to say, I will be a sign and a wonder of what you can do when someone says yes to your power is set free in a life, in the life of one of his children. That's why we're here. Life's going to be harder for us. We're going to face more resistance. We're going to face more persecution. We're going to need more courage. We're going to have to put in more serious efforts just to get by. But we will also shine that much more brightly with the radiance that only comes from God, not from cleverness, wonderful strategies. No, from God's power. That's what's available to us. Now, frankly, that's a little bit scary for a lot of folks who don't think that that was the Catholicism they signed up for. Like, I thought we just kind of went to that next program. And can't we just go to that other Bible study program? And isn't that enough to get us through? And come on, life isn't that bad. Hey, Tom, dial it back there, right? Breathe fresh air. No, if we see, if we sense, if we talk, if we listen, we realize that kind of Catholicism is part of a bygone era. That, that world doesn't exist anymore. So we live in a new moment. And a new moment is going to require new power. So the power to overcome sin, the power to experience healing, and the power to grow in holiness. Do you struggle to pray? Do you struggle to have a habit of prayer? Do you struggle to have a fellowship where you can support, encourage, and hold each other accountable? Do you struggle to have a vision of your life that says, I'm made for heaven, that's my true home, and among all the things that I'm going to make a priority in my life, God, you're first. 
And I want to make sure that anything that gets in my life will be uprooted. And that I want to have the power to say yes to that. That comes from God's power. That comes from the Holy Spirit. That doesn't just come from, I'm going to try harder. Try harder is not going to get it done. So that will help us become saints. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. So what was the second part? Not only are you called to be a saint, you're called to fulfill the mission. The mission. The reason why God planted you here now. I don't know why God created us to be alive in 2022 in the United States of America, in eastern Washington of all places. What's he doing, right? I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, we better figure it out and get on with it, right? And so how are we going to fulfill God's given, God, the God-given mission? If you take a look at, here's again another quick summary of things, how evangelization, the work of spreading the gospel, has actually happened in Christianity, Catholicism and Christianity in the last 30, 40 years. Catholicism is focused on programs, projects, right? That's how we do things. Come to the church and there's a Bible study and there are other, not bad. It's not a bad thing because like, why make, why reinvent the wheel? Do what those folks did really well. Let's apply it over here and let's go do it. You have an evangelical form of evangelization that says make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ, right? You might have learned how to do that, right? Relational evangelism is what they call it. But there's a third stream of evangelism that was popular in the 90s called power evangelism. Um, and, and it had to do with this idea of you evangelize in the power of the Holy Spirit through the gifts he's given. And that's what I want to focus on tonight. I want to focus on this reality that the Holy Spirit that is given to us will be released within us not only to make us saints, but to have us go forward, to have us go forward on mission. And so we've talked about the reality of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? That's a phrase and I'm going to make a distinction between, you can say, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that phrase, even though it's in the New Testament, even though you see strands of it in our Catholic tradition. Just focus on the idea that you want to have the full release of the gifts and graces of the Pentecost that God intends for your life. Are you up for that? Are you up for that? Just say, Lord, release within me that personal pen. I don't have to say it right now. <laughs> I like the docile ones. This is so cool, right? Uh, release within me that personal Pentecost that is mine, right? It's the Philip Neri, right? It's it, pray to experience the too muchness of God. Fill me to release within me so much. Fill me to such an extent that I'm overwhelmed by your presence and your power at work in my life, Holy Spirit. Pray for that. That's what we're going to pray for next week. But in order to get ready for that, we want to talk a bit about some of the gifts that are typically associated with praying for this gift, 
of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, I want to start with, in my life, that happened when people prayed with me in 1984, on November 1st, 1984. I experienced it, though, in front of the Blessed Sacrament on my own in the summer of 1983. Isn't that interesting? So you don't need to come next week to experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, or the steeper release of the Holy Spirit. It might happen to you tonight on the way home in the car. It might happen tomorrow in front of the Blessed Sacrament. God is sovereign. He'll do what he'll do. But he also honors the efforts that we make to prepare ourselves, dispose ourselves, and then to say, Lord, we come before you with expected faith to have this happen. And so I want to dig into now these gifts, because when those things happened to me, when it happened to me in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and when it happened to me praying in a prayer group for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, everything changed for me. Everything changed. My, my entire life of faith changed because of this sense of God's power now being at work. Okay, let's take a look at some of these gifts and talk a little bit about these gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they operate or what you might expect and see why they're so important in our life of faith. I want to start with um, one that's called prophecy, right? When you think prophecy, you think future prediction, right? The prophet is someone who tells the future. In the scriptures, that's not actually precise, the prophet is the one who speaks the word that God knows most needs to be spoken in the present. It's the word that most needs to be heard in the present. And oh, by the way, if it's not responded to, here's what the future is going to look like. So the future dimension of prophecy is actually connected to the present reality of God's word. The word that needs to be heard and acted on. And so I'm going to encourage you to pray for the gift of prophecy. Pray for that gift, Holy Spirit. Please lavish upon me and release within me the gift of prophecy. I want to be available to you if you have a word that you would have me speak into a situation that they most need to hear. Does that make sense? So let me just say that. This is the kind of gift that is very useful in families. Parents can benefit from having that sense of a prophetic word. But this is a gift that isn't only applicable there. No, this is a word that you will bring out into the workplace. You'll bring it out into uh, social situations. You'll see it at work in prayer meetings, if you, in situations like that. But what sounds so supernatural becomes natural. What sounds so extraordinary is something that becomes ordinary. A second gift is expectant faith. What's expectant faith? Expectant faith is not just a sense that says, um, God is alive and I trust in him. No, it's God's doing something. God, God I, I, I know that the Lord is doing something here and you bring, literally bring that faith to bear in the moment. So I want to tell you a story. Um, Carrie and I had uh, a dear friend, uh, a couple, 
um, called us up and said that they were struggling with um, they, uh, news they just received, that the wife, again, a dear friend of ours, um, just got a diagnosis of breast cancer. And it was serious. Um, they had um, discovered a, a, a lump in her breast the size of a lemon. So it was a, a very advanced stage. And it was so serious that they were going to the next day go in and prepare her for surgery. Terry and I went to their house and said, can we pray with you? We're gonna pray with you. And as we started to pray, we had this expectant faith that the Lord was gonna heal her. The Lord is gonna heal this woman of cancer, breast cancer, the size of a lemon. And we prayed with her, and as we left, I remember we left driving home and we were praising God, giddy, like she's healed. She is healed. It wasn't like, man, I hope the Lord gives her the grace to get through this and works through the doctors to bring her healing. There was this sense of God has moved with power and she's healed. The next day, she went in, and they, and before they went in to operate, they said, we have to do some kind of x-ray to kind of locate where everything was and precise, make it more precise. And they couldn't find anything. They could find nothing. And, and, and they're comparing, like, here's yesterday, here's today. This is crazy. So they said, well, we can't operate if there's nothing to take out. Come back in two days. So she left. Two days later, she comes back, and they're going to do a sonogram, and they're going to do some other kind of, like, test, because obviously there was something wrong with the x-ray machine. <laughs> so, um, so they came in. She walked in the room, and she said the room was filled with doctors. She's like, what is this, right? And they're like, we want to, <laughs> we're all here to see what's going on. And sure enough, what happened, they did the next test, and there was nothing. And they're like, we have never seen anything like this before. We can't explain it. And she said, I can. I had another physician on the case. The divine physician, Jesus. And she told that she gave testimony that they had prayed for healing, and look what God had done. And this was at a Catholic hospital. <laughs> and they were shocked and stunned and amazed, like we never heard anything like this, right? So does God heal today? What, what, happened? what, what, what did God do to that woman? God made that woman a what? A sign and a wonder, a demonstration of God's power. And that's what miracles do. That's what healings do, is that they clear away so many obstacles for people to have a sense of expectancy that God is the living God and he sees me, he knows me, and he can do something about my life right now. And so I want to encourage you to pray for the gift of expectant faith. Expectant faith, where you have this willingness to say, Lord, 
What are you doing? Oh, the Lord's doing something. I have to take action on that. Now, I have to say there's a, a two-edged sword quality to this. And the two-edged sword quality is when God asks you to do something, and you have that sense of expectant faith, God is moving here, you gotta take action. Carrie, what happened to you last Sunday at Mass? Oh. <laughs> Carrie, I'm gonna have to actually share that testimony. This was all planned. Actually, I'll make it holy. I discern that you're supposed to share this story right now. <laughs> Guys, learn that language. It's very helpful in your marriage. So. Get up here. Get up here. In Jesus' name, get up here. Uh, was that, we are at um, Our Lady, Our Lady of Lords. And uh, just a powerful encounter with God's Word. Um, hasn't happened to me in a long time. We're just several of the Gospels over the course of the last several weeks just broke up my heart and I started trembling and crying. He didn't even notice. Said, Did you see me crying? <laughs> but um, it just was God's grace, mercy. I felt um, awesome. Anyhow, there was a lady behind us shook hands at the, at the um, sign of peace. peace. And the Lord said, you need to invite her to tonight. You need to invite her to this for me. And it was clear. And I turned around and then I just started praying. Well, then the Lord spoke and I started praying. And I just, I was like, Lord, I have to invite her. And I was nervous. Like, why am I nervous? This is so odd. And all these different scriptures. And the Lord asked me to praise you. So what's wrong with you? Why? <laughs> Come on, get, get in line. Anyhow, um, after Mass, Tom just went to the back and I just stood there and I, I couldn't move. Like I, I was like, I have to talk to her. And she didn't leave because her granddaughter was going to be baptized. And I was like, I need to invite her. I need to invite her. And I didn't. So I walk out, and her husband happened to be out there. I go, oh, hey, my name's Carrie. What's your name? What's your last name? <laughs> Write down the name in my phone because I know God wanted me to invite her, but I didn't invite her. So anyhow, is that what you want to share? Yeah, I wanted to share a story where I look good and then a story where you <laughs> fell short. So... Mission accomplished. So, no. What am I sharing? I'm sharing this sense that it doesn't just happen in in extraordinary situations. You might be at mass, and all of a sudden now, the Holy Spirit. Remember now, you're yielding the first place to the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden there's going to be this little prompting, and you go like, "Oh, I've got to act on that." So there is a sense of saying, if you're if you're willing. God is going to start moving and prompting you in ways that you have to start discerning. God, is that you? What are you asking of me right now? So discernment of spirits is another gift. One aspect of it is spiritual warfare. You'll have a greater attunement to the fact that there, there, hell is arrayed against us and attempting to overthrow and undermine what we're doing. And we better be ready to fight a spiritual battle. And so you see these gifts, these charismatic gifts are going to work together, right? Prophecy, the word of knowledge, which was what Kerry had, this word of knowledge, the sense of God wants me to invite this person to come to the prayer meeting tonight or speak a word into someone's life or to pray with them for healing. You have to be ready to discern and take action whether or not you feel comfortable doing that. 
Yesterday, someone sent me a prophetic dream. Okay? Seriously. It was long. A long prophetic dream. And she said, I don't know. You are in the dream. She said, I'm sending it to you. I don't know what it all means. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, let me read it. And I was just like, ah. Oh. She said, I highlighted words that jumped out. I highlighted words that jumped out. And um, the words that jumped out were brain fog. <laughs> she said, and it was preceded by, there are people with a, with a piano and a singing, and then there was this brain fog that was holding back what God was wanting to do. Now, she didn't know this, but I had I have been impacted by a concussion in my life for about the last four months. And the last couple of weeks have been harder for me. And so I offered up to the Lord, and the Lord, you know, use it for this good or that good. And um, and then that word came. I'm like, wow, God, what are you doing with that? And then um, as the prayer meeting was starting, just as people were gathering, I was out at the front door, and I just happened to stand outside the front door. Never done that before, kind of seeing some people come down. And all of a sudden, we have Linda come down, and she comes back out, out the front door. She walks out the front door. And I'm like, what is that all about? And I said, well, what are you doing? And she said, I'm impacted by a concussion. And it can really bother me. And I'm like, and I think she even used the word fog, like a brain fog. And I'm like, well, that has absolutely nothing to do with my life right now. Wow. So I said, Linda, can we pray for you tonight? Can we pray for you for healing? That this prophetic dream, what's happening in my life, and then all of a sudden Linda comes in. And so I'm like, okay, God. God doesn't want us to just hear about stuff. God wants us to do stuff. So, Jane, I'm going to ask you, to lay hands on Linda. And Debbie, why don't you lay hands on Linda? And anyone else that has a sense of, God has given me a gift of praying with people for healing, to just lead a prayer for Linda to experience healing. <laughs> so um, that wasn't on my agenda tonight, right? Um, no idea at all that we would do something like that. But isn't that the beautiful reality of being open, right? Disposed to, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And um, what I want to encourage you to do is this, is to, to um, be praying in the course of the next week. Because next week we're going to pray for all of us to experience a deeper release of the Holy Spirit, a deeper yielding to the power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. And you will find, if, if you've never done this before, if you've never prayed for that, again, this is not weird. Oh, no, you know what? Let's just cut it, cut it out there. If you've never experienced anything before in the Catholic Church, it is weird. It's foreign. It, it'll, it'll, it'll come across as strange, right? You'll feel resistance. You'll probably feel like a failure. And uh, you'll experience an attack. And then all of a sudden, you'll experience this breakthrough. 
And all of a sudden it'll be like, wow, God made these things so easy. And all of a sudden you'll find that it is easy to step forward in faith, to share your faith, to, to stand up and give testimony, to, to take action in a courageous way. And, and that to me is it's exciting to see what will God do with a bunch of us who are just available to say, God, release your power in a new way. And let's see what kind of giftings God just lavishes among his people. And so whether, you know, if you're drawn to a particular gift, like, oh, I'd like to pray with people to be healed, ask for the gift. Ask for the gift. If you want to become a prophetic intercessor, if you want the gift of praise, um, we talked last week about speaking in tongues or interpreting tongues, right? These are other gifts. Uh, I'm not going to dig into all of those tonight. What I, instead, what I want to do is this, is say, focus on getting ready. Clear away the blockages to experiencing a deeper sense of God, the release of God's Holy Spirit. Go to confession. Go to confession between now and, and next week. Right? Make that a priority, a good confession, to clear away any of those blockages to the release of what God wants to do. But secondly, begin to pray. Remember that idea of the novena to the Holy Spirit? Right? So there are eight days between now and next week instead of nine, so therefore it's not going to work. <laughs> no. So some of us started last night praying for all of you, and so we're going to keep praying night after night, day after day, for this deeper release of the Holy Spirit, this deeper experience of Pentecost in our lives, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever is going to be most comfortable for you, right? And I'm praying it for myself, too. But this is not one and done, right? So I, I point to two specific times where this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was, uh, happened in my life. But I've prayed for 38 years to have that deeper release. Come and baptize me again in the Holy Spirit. Release within me even more fully the gifts and graces of your Holy Spirit. Make me that fire, right? Even more. It's not one and done if we experienced it before. You don't have to uh, worry that, oh, this doesn't apply to me. No, there's more. There's more. And we're going to need the more because of what the church is facing now and what the church is facing, going to face in the future. Okay? All right. So next week, we are going to take time to pray um, for that deeper release of the Holy Spirit. Okay? For all of you. So. In the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And loving God, we thank you and praise you for all that you did here tonight and all that you are doing. And Lord, just as we finish up our time um, with this beautiful song of praise, may you be glorified in, in our lives as we prepare this next week. Lord, we know that you are waiting to bless us. And so we say yes in advance, Lord, to all that you will be doing in our hearts and minds this week. And we already thank you in advance for what we'll do next week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.